We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're going to stick with Fournier, right? Yes. And, and anything else on this or cap or no cap time? Cap or no cap time. We can uh, want to get up there. And okay. there we go. All right. So, yeah. Evan Fournier, au revoir, or abiento. I mean, it's not going to be abiento. I doubt we're going to see him soon. I would imagine if the Knicks really didn't want him to be with the team because he was upset, they might just say, hey, stick around. But stranger things have happened. So let's make an assumption. And maybe this doesn't turn out the way that it should, but these are kind of where I've assumed. So let's assume. Let's assume that the Knicks would be comfortable with or like um, more money going out then coming back in because they're not too far away from the luxury tax with uh, likely and unlike, well, really more unlikely bonuses um, that they'd be comfortable with or like expiring money fitting into the OB top and traded player exception um, that any trade involving Evan Fournier uh, would generate a traded player exception. That's large enough to keep the door open for say like a player like OG and an OB uh, should he become available? Someone of that size contract wise or returning salary that could be flipped for, again, a player like OG. Any of that feel, any of that not pass the smell test or anything you'd like to add to that, John? Um, the only thing I would add is that uh, if you, if you, if anybody listening doubts any of this, uh, they should go back and check out uh, Michael Scotto's reporting from about a week and a half ago, where basically he said the Knicks were <laughs> trying to make a trade, which would have checked uh, three of these three of these boxes. So yeah, exactly. So let's start with the first type of trade, right? The star. Um, obviously, there you can put the name of the star that you want in there, assuming that they make a larger contract. And the salary, the formula was essentially a star is Evan Fournier's salary and other salary filler, of course, picks and all the you know, kit and caboodle. When you look at someone like Joel Embiid, Paul George, Zach Levine, any other trade you know, names of stars that have been bandied about, if they're off the block or the price is just simply too high, um, that could rule Fournier out of salary aggregation. And if that's the case, that's fine. But it might mean that the Knicks want to then move on from Fournier in a different way um, or hold on to him. But again, holding on to him could 
could make an impact. The confusing part of Fournier, when I say confusing, I don't really mean it's confusing. It's more just, it's unclear. Do the Knicks value Fournier as expiring salary or do they value him as a worst case scenario? He sits out for a year and we have his salary for the following year that if we wanted to guarantee it, we could use it as outgoing. I would imagine that given the commitments the Knicks have in salary for other players that they want a star, that they'd rather use other salaries and treat Fournier as an expiring contract because the money just gets so large. But perhaps things change. Does that line up with your thoughts as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think there's any prayer whether he's on the Knicks or anywhere else that that, that option is getting picked up. Exactly. So. Let's look at some names of unrestricted free agents in 2024. Uh, these are players who are all earning between 12 and like around $20 million. And we just run through them. So first is Spencer Dinwiddie. He's earning his cap hits about 20, a little over $20 million. We've got Joe Harris earning about 20 million. OG Ananobi, as I mentioned, is earning 18.6. Gary Trent Jr., who just accepted his player option. He's earning point six. Rumored, there's a rumored extension there. We should note. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcus Morris Senior, who's earning a little over seventeen million. Markel Fultz, who's got seventeen million dollars. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas, fifteen point four million. Tyus Jones is at fourteen. Doug McDermott's at a little uh, under fourteen million. And Kelly Olynyk is a little above twelve million. And I figure we can rule pretty much all of these players out, just all things considered, as opposed to OG Ananobi. Marcus Moore Sr. and Doug McDermott. There's one rule, name. Rule them yeah. out as far as what? To, to rule them out as far as, once again, I do not expect the Nets, for example, to be making a trade with the Knicks involving Fournier and Dinwiddie. Oh, you're uh, saying these are possible options for the Knicks to trade Fournier for one of these guys. Got Sorry, mm-hmm. I was I missed that part. No worries. Joe Harris just went to the Pistons, so... Um, is that really the type of oh. move that the Pistons then want to do? Doesn't yeah, no, I'm sorry. I, with that caveat, we could easily rule out all, Trent, Perfect. Fultz, Valanciunas, Tyus Jones, and uh, Kelly Olenek. Yeah, none sure. of those guys are getting traded for Fournier's expiring. And there's likely another name here, which I didn't include, which would be uh, Jonathan Isaac. <laughs> like, again, if you're thinking, hey, the Knicks could use some size, versatility, defense at the four. Like, what, what minutes? Yes, like when Isaac is healthy, he's going to be playing a decent amount of minutes that yeah. aren't there. Isaac also isn't very healthy. Uh, he's got a non-guaranteed structure now that he's missed enough time, but the fact that the contract is so non-guaranteed should tell you about maybe why he's not the best option, I, uh, why he's also not going to be the type of player who you want at the four, given everything we've talked about with catch and shoot and how the Knicks like that and spacing. Yeah. So I just, it didn't make a lot of sense here. But so we have three players and I just want to talk them through very quickly. Uh, and first, we should obviously yes. Sorry, we should do that. The the OG Ananobi and, and the other two, Marcus Morris Senior and Doug, Doug McDermott. The reasons why the Knicks might be including Evan Fournier for in a trade for one of these is very disparate reasons. This, this, Correct. There's, there's going to be an OG Ananobi discussion and then a very separate discussion about the other two. Just putting exactly. that out there. So this is the OG Ananobi discussion. Once again, I don't want to get bogged down in the pick compensation part of it because it's just. I really want to focus more on the salary. Um, yes, this would essentially be the Knicks being buyers. It's not a one-for-one trade. It is not, hey, the Knicks throw in like, a whack first-round pick to try to get this. It's really more a factor of how can the Knicks 
take someone who's out of the rotation for someone who would be in the rotation. That's what they've done every single deadline. It's what I would expect them to do if Evan Fournier is still here or they trade Fournier for someone and still want to get a player like Ananobi. Um, the prevailing thought here that I just want to also talk about, I've mentioned in the past how, let's say this type of move happened, right? Whether it's now or at the deadline, whichever. Um, there's the idea of RJ Barrett for OG Ananobi. It's not really one that I subscribe to, and it's not one the Knicks should subscribe themselves to either. The reason being, if you're, I stand by the fact that it is a poor fit to have OG, RJ, and Randall for really a good period of time. Yes. Um, given how they all have a tendency to play slower, more like fours, and their games are just, it just does, they don't really complement each other or one another. Um, but in terms of moving RJ, let's say the Knicks want to get a star and they let Fournier's contract come off the books and they were, and so now it's OG and Fournier is just, his deal expires. You now have hamstrung yourself in terms of what you could offer to get a star. So essentially, from the Knicks perspective, it's, it's like matching salary specific. Exactly. So it's let's get someone out of the rotation uh, and move them for someone who we want in the rotation. We're fine juggling things until the offseason. And then after that, we can then try to make a move to better reshape our roster. That's the direction the Knicks should be going. This is the type of move that would accomplish that. I do not see this move happening now. I would be surprised even if it happens towards the deadline based on how the Raptors have operated, but there's plenty of time between now and then for those types of things to change. But I just wanted to get this out, this trade out of the way quickly because it's not a trade that would be happening right now. There is one, there is one way that they'd still be able to have outgoing salary, and it's, that would be the outgoing salary of Julius Randle. But we don't have to go down the Knicks trading Julius Randle exactly. for a star um, thing right now. Yeah, I did. There's a lot of reasons why I think the Knicks are probably not going to be um, unfortunately, because I really like him as a player and I like him as a theoretical fit in some iterations. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, don't, yeah, don't think it's happening. So the third trade, Marcus Morris Sr. The Knicks can't move Fournier for Morris Sr. straight up. It's due to the Clippers and how high their payroll is. So the Clippers have to cut $1.7 million in order for this to work. Let's just say the player they throw in, uh, Brandon Boston Jr., for the sake of it. Kentucky. Exactly. The Knicks could move Boston Jr. into the top and traded uh, player exception. And then it would actually probably create a $95,000 TPE for the Clippers. I mean, that means nothing. The Clippers can't use that for anything. Uh, they also should be able to do this, which is instead of putting Boston Jr. into the top and exception, they could just make it one big trade um, as opposed to splitting it up in based on what the math. But even still, it, it, again, it, this is the type of move if you're the Knicks where I guess you're asking why the Clippers do it. Yeah, why would the Clippers do uh, this? And I don't think they do. I don't think it makes any sense for the Clippers to do this. No. Um, Morris Sr. has struggled a lot, but the one thing he does give you is size for a team that has as many injury concerns with Kawhi and PG as possible. And they have Terrence Mann. They have Batum. They have a bunch of players who can just do it for Norm Powell. They don't need Fournier. So the math can work. But now we have to figure out a third team um, and they're just we'd have to refer back to the list. And there just aren't a lot of guys who necessarily can do that. Um, I mean, you could do it something with like Doug McDermott. You could do a three team trade with the above that I mentioned. But let's try to keep it a little bit simpler. We've talked about the idea of McDermott for Fournier. Fournier has seems to want to be in San Antonio with Greg Popovich, with Victor Wembanyama. Can't say I blame him. 
I would probably want to be there too if I were a Frenchman looking to uh, rejuvenate my career after somewhat of a sabbatical. I just feel as though if this trade were so obvious that it happened, it would have happened by now. Would have, yeah. And it hasn't happened. And the Knicks are very eager to get this done because they don't want it to keep lingering. So clearly there's a reason it hasn't happened. Just in yes. regard to the Morris thing, um, I was about to ask you, I wonder if that's something the Knicks would throw in a second round pick to get that done. You get a shot at Boston, who again is a Kentucky guy, interesting prospect. He was, I mean, he was a, like a top three guy in terms of like pedigree going into his college season. And then he just had absolutely the worst college season imaginable, which is why he didn't go until the 50, whatever pick in the draft. Um, He's had some moments, he showed some flashes as a pro. But uh, the problem there is that uh, Marcus Morris wants to play basketball and actually did play a lot of basketball last year for the Clippers. He averaged like 20 minutes a game, much to the chagrin of, of many Clippers fans. He's not coming here to uh, play zero minutes when the rest of the Knicks rotation is healthy. Um, you know, I, I, but it, and again, this is like, so many different things that we could talk about where it's like, well, if the Knicks did another trade where they're sending out a different rotation player in a trade that, net, you know, and then you get into all kinds of craziness because it's, just, yeah. Right. And if the Knicks, let's say the Knicks did this move of Morris Sr. for and Boston Jr. for Fournier. Uh, Morris Sr., let's say he sees minutes or is frustrated because he's not seeing playing time. Then you have to deal with, okay, let's, like, what if he's playing? Boston Jr. doesn't get any playing time. Yeah. Probably doesn't get any playing time, even if Morris Sr. isn't involved because the Knicks have a very stacked rotation. Um, I don't think he would see a lot of time at the four. That's not really his game. It's just more size than anything. I mean, yeah, you could probably re- relegate him more of a catch and shoot type player, but there's an opportunity cost there too as well. And is Brandon Boston Jr. worth that opportunity cost? It's just, it doesn't feel like something that would then pan out. Knicks could obviously do it because they could... Um, non-guarantee Daquan Jeffries' salary or Isaiah Roby's salary to make this work. It, but it just doesn't... It, it I The Clippers, again, doesn't make sense for them. And then the Knicks have their own battles to deal with with this type of move. I feel like... I don't want to spoil the ending, but because I, I want to see... Well, let me see where you're going with this because sure. I feel like this is all pointing in a, in a particular direction. But keep going. Yeah, we'll see. Um, so we talked about McDermott. Uh, let's just talk about the Obi Toppin traded player exception. So the Knicks traded... Toppin into cap space. His whole salary was $6,803,012. Um, in terms of trades, it's not just, you don't just create a traded player exception by moving player into another trade player exception or cap space. It can really just be the difference between salaries incoming and outgoing. The Knicks can absorb a little over $7 million in uh, money taking on another salary. Why is it $7 million, $7,053,012? It's essentially because with the new CBA, it's $250,000 more than the TPE. That is the max you can offer. So I figure let's take a look at some of the players who might be out there who are unrestricted free agents in 2024 who fit this description. So let's start at the top, right? Ken Birch, he's making... $6,985,000, just under the maximum the Knicks could acquire. Patty Mills is making $6.8 million. He was just acquired. Uh, He went to a couple teams and now finally is with Atlanta. Danilo Gallinari is making the same exact amount of uh, Patty Mills. Chetty Osman's making a a little over $6.7 million. Cameron Payne just traded from the Suns to the Spurs, making $6.5. Otto Porter Jr., he accepted his player option with Toronto. 
It's making 6.3. And then you have two players on the Sixers, uh, Furkan Korkmaz. Korkmaz is making a little under 5.4 million. And Daniel House Jr., who accepted his player option, he's making 4.3. And yes. to be clear, these are all players you're talking about the Knicks acquiring into that traded player exception. This is These trades would not involve Fournier, correct? Well, they would. That's how so. How would they? Well, it goes similar to, and we'll talk about this more, uh, the trade that they set up with Indiana and Phoenix that didn't come to fruition, where it would have been Cameron Payne sliding into this traded player exception that was created with Obi Toppin. The Knicks moving Fournier's salary out to Indiana, and then it would have likely been uh, TJ McConnell going to Phoenix, and then someone like Jordan Nora going sure. elsewhere for the math to work. So my question there is... That would obviously be a three-team trade. I'm, is there enough? Is there the cap space out there for any for that sort of thing to happen? Because if Fournier moves to Team X, um, then Team X needs to then move mm-hmm. money somewhere, and and I feel like you're, we're running out of cap space to, to do something like this. Well, we run out of cap space completely because no teams have cap space now. Exactly, but I like where yeah. you, I like where your head is at. We are going to get there. I promise you. Okay. Uh, it's really just a matter of can we find a way to move any of these salaries with other salaries and get Fournier involved and work from there. Uh, one of the advantages is that a lot of these players happen to play for one particular franchise. But very quickly, let's rule out two of these players, that being uh, Daniel House Jr. and Furkan Korkmaz. The main reason being for House Jr., he's close with Harden. Obviously, who knows what's going to go on with that whole thing, but it doesn't, in a two team trade, doesn't, it's really hard to get around that. Um, and the same thing could be with Corkmoss because they play with the same organization. So before we think about three team trades, we're just going to kind of analyze the two, two, two team approach. Excuse me. So let's just quickly look through it. Again, don't see OG and Anobi getting traded to the Knicks right now. Down the line or. You know, theoretically speaking, if the Knicks wanted to acquire Otto Porter Jr., they could slide Porter Jr. into the Obi Top and traded player exception and still have Fournier for Ananobi. This would save the Raptors $6 million, give them a traded player exception of that amount. But it would also put the Knicks in the luxury tax. Is that something the Knicks are willing to do? I don't think so. I think there are other ways around it that they'd be more comfortable. Is this something that the, um, that the Raptors want to do? I doubt it for reasons we've stated before. So that doesn't quite work. Go back to the Spurs, Doug McDermott and Kem Birch. So I believe this should be the case where you could then do exactly that. You get Kem Birch sliding right into the OB top and trade a player exception. And you get Evan Fournier and you move Doug McDermott. Uh, or you acquire Doug McDermott if you're the Knicks. Now, See, this makes some sense. Right. Uh, again, I'm, I'm not all these trades are going to make sense. It's more just showing, presenting ones that, some fans might think, how does this work? And then showing why they might not. Um, for this type of move, the reason why it could appeal for the Knicks, again, Birch goes right into that top and accept, uh, trade player exception. Um, then this could find a way to create a trade player exception for the Knicks of uh, $5.1 million, depending on how they break it up. So if they were to move Birch into the trade player exception and then Fournier for McDermott, that should create a traded player exception for the Knicks of a little over $5 million. Um, and you could talk about that with Chetty Osman instead of Birch or Cameron Payne instead of Birch. The one difference, there's an asterisk on the presentation of Payne. The reason for that is he was just traded. So there's more of a restriction two months for him. So you could do it before the, uh, before the season starts. It would just be delayed. Like you can't do it tomorrow. 
Um, but this is the type of thing where if you're the Knicks, you also uh, you get a little bit close to luxury tax, which you probably you don't maybe want. But McDermott's salary is large enough where if you then called up the Toronto Raptors at the deadline and tried to get the availability of OG Ananobi, where you're saying to Toronto, hey, we're sending you an expiring contract just like we would have with Fournier, but also it's going to be less money and the math still works uh, and we can still send you pick compensation that might make I, this a fair deal. This is a trade I wonder if the Knicks would kick in one of their second round picks to accomplish. Yeah, it's the bottom line for me, and this is the tricky part. Obviously, the Knicks, the the way that it worked with Obi Top and the value of from where he was to where it's at, bad. Moving two second round picks for to get rid of Fournier is essentially akin to attaching Why would it be? Hold on. And to Fournier. Why would it be two? No, I'm just, I'm spitballing here. I'm, like, for example, we talk about uh, Joe Harris, right? Yeah. So, okay. The Nets just sent two second round picks to Detroit. But didn't also, take back any money. Correct. But that's, yeah. so that's the thing. I don't think it would be two seconds, but it also depends on the quality of the picks, right? Like the Knicks, I, good second round picks. I bet but if the Knicks I, are able yeah. to take on money that is unwanted by another team like San Antonio, I would hope the pick compensation lessens quite a bit. I, I do agree with you. I would I would bet. Actually, no, I shouldn't say that. I would hope. I would wonder. How about that? I would wonder whether or not they could give do this with one of their lesser, lesser second rounders. And the reason I really like this is Doug McDermott and Ken Burch at this point in their careers um, are both players that like they can play Minutes for an NBA team trying to win basketball games. They do not need minutes for an NBA team trying to win basketball games. So these are two more guys who are like, again, breaking case of emergency guys, but they are better breaking case of emergency guys than Isaiah Roby. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and again, and if we're if we're thinking a little bit more down the line, if there was to be a two-for-one trade that would occur. I'm not saying one will. I'm not saying one should. But if there were to be a two-for-one trade that would occur, let's say, at the deadline or closer to the deadline, potentially having a... a, a I'm not saying either of them, even, either of these guys would even play in that scenario. But just having more warm bodies who so you're like, I know Doug McDermott could give me 10 minutes or 12 minutes, you know, if if I need. Converge, too, honestly. Um, I wonder if that would intrigue the Knicks. So that's this is something that I... But again, like you said before, if this, if it was going to happen, it wouldn't have happened already. I, I don't know. That's the presumption. Unless a team like the Spurs, they're holding out, hoping that the Knicks get desperate because they don't necessarily need to do that. But yes, or the consider. Knicks don't want to kick in a pick, and they just they're basically saying you're getting a Wemby mentor here and a guy that is the better play, the best of these three players mm-hmm. didn't work with us, but we still think he's the best of these three players. You, you should kick in the second round, but you know, I, I don't know if they would actually say that. I think the main question that I'm curious about, and it seems like it's not really answered at this moment is in the Scotto article, it talked about draft compensation going to the Pacers, but it didn't say which team was sending yeah. out draft compensation. I found that interesting too. I would have thought that because the Suns were getting an upgrade from Cameron Payne to TJ McConnell, that they would be chipping in more of it. With that said, it's not like the Knicks 
would have gotten off scot-free because they're still clearing a lot of money and they create that trade player exception, which as you pointed out, there's a player in Toronto that we've talked about and OG Ananobi who would certainly fit into that. So I wonder if it would be both teams. I can't help but walk away feeling like it would be both teams, but the difference, but it doesn't matter because it's, it's moot now. Yeah, it's moot now, but it was still a prevailing thought. So uh, the same trade again, but instead of maybe sliding Birch into the trade uh, trade player exception that Obi had, just lump them together. This would create a $1.8 million trade exception um, for the Spurs in this case, I believe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. That would do it. So again, I believe if that works, then then you could tinker around with it. I'd still probably prefer Birch into the trade player exception that Obi has. And then the Knicks are able to create that $5.1 million exception while taking McDermott's salary on. Um, let's talk about Reggie Bullock briefly because I know he was bandied about. If you did Bullock and Birch as an example for Fournier, you could slide Birch into that trade player exception and still have it with Bullock. Uh, the issue here, well, a couple issues. Number one, can't really can't move uh, Bullock with another player until after three September months, right? 10th. Uh, oh, it's December tenth. Sorry, okay, September tenth, two months. September, yeah. So before, until, but you can do so, it before the season. Okay. But you could do it before the season, which is the hurdle that's easy enough to cross. Uh, the other issue, though, is in terms of aggregating salary, could be not is, but could be a problem as a next step. So if you did McDermott. For Fournier, it works. If you do McDermott and Birch for Fournier, it works two times over, right? You could do McDermott and Fournier already. You could do McDermott and Birch into the trade player exception. Uh, you could do McDermott and Birch without dealing with the trade player exception and still do that. With Bullock, you can't do Bullock for Fournier straight up. You do Bullock for Birch and get Fournier. The reason I'm drawing attention to this is it just means that you have to get closer to aggregating salary in order to make that move. Whereas a player like McDermott, to, again, if it's an OG type, you could just move McDermott to get OG. You don't have to move Bullock and someone else, especially when roster sizes are going to be important. And that's why I'd really rather shy away from it. I also don't trust Tibbs enough to not play, play Reggie, Reggie Bullock. Bullock. Um, so that's, that's why I'd really rather not go the Bullock route. And I think the Knicks made the right call and not bringing Bullock back and proven right on that. Yeah. And nothing has really changed to change their minds. Uh, maybe Bullock doesn't even see significant time. It could also be that the Spurs don't feel like they need Fournier because they have Bullock there and he could soak up the same type of minutes that they'd want. I genuinely not sure, but I would prefer the Knicks not go after Bullock because it means they probably have to add another piece just to get an OG type. Yeah, I, I look. I'm sure Tibbs would love to have Bullock back in the locker room, if, even if he wasn't an active member of the of the rotation. And yet, I would I would wager I would wager you a donut that some by hook or by crook, Reggie Bullock would be finding his way onto the basketball court at some point for for head coach Tom Thibodeau. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, there are better players on the Knicks in order for us to, are, to see that. There are better players on the Knicks. 
For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100, or visit weissandrosenblum.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So let's take a look at traded player exceptions because, John, as you mentioned, there are no cap space teams. And if you maybe have trouble with some two-player team or two team trades, you might need to loop in a third team. So just running from uh, the top down, these are all the traded player exceptions that are here that are $5 million or more. Um, I should say really exceptions, not traded player exceptions. I will clarify why in a moment. Let's start first. The largest one being the Atlanta Hawks. They have $23 million left of the $25.3 million traded player exception that they created moving John Collins. They've already used a little bit of that to take on Ty Ty Washington before he went to OKC. I don't see the Hawks and the Knicks working together here based on the fact that while the Hawks could certainly absorb this salary, they're so determined to not pay the tax and there's not good there's not bad salary enough really that could work. Like we could talk about Patty Mills, but then they don't have a backup uh, point guard. We could talk about Fournier being on their team, but they already have they don't Bogdanovich. Need and they don't need it. They made it They're certainly not paying. Right. They're getting close to the tax to, to inherit him for you. Exactly. So to me, they just don't feel like a very realistic trade partner. Uh, again, neither do the Nets who have not one, not two, but three traded player exceptions on this list. Um, two of them that are $18 million or higher. The first one's 19.9. That's the Joe Harris one. They could certainly absorb that salary. Again, don't see it happening. Mm-hmm. The next one's the $18.1 million one. They cannot absorb that because with the trade player exception rule of you know $250,000, do not believe they could be able to fit Fournier's salary in, even if the rule changes when you get a higher trade player exception. It doesn't matter. Again, it's still the Nets. I don't 
see why they're working together with the Knicks. I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, the Wizards, they've so, got a 12 point. Yes, go on. So why are we concerned with traded player exceptions that are below Fournier's salary? And we'll get to that in just a moment. Okay. Well, all right. I'll, I'll say it now. It really comes down to the fact of look at exactly how the Knicks were operating with a potential three-team deal. Where if they need to move salary, but they don't necessarily want to get a hodgepodge back. I understand. They want to create a okay. trade player exception. And if they need a third partner that doesn't have cap space. Gotcha. The next route would be to look logically at a team that has trade player exception. And maybe they can... Maybe there's a way to finagle something. Okay. Correct. It gets more complicated, Uh, but it's still possible. Then they just floated a three-team deal, so figure might as well. Again, the Porzingis traded player exception of a little over 12 million. That's not going to fit Fournier. Maybe there's a deal out there that could do that. Lonzo Ball. That's not a traded player exception. That's why I clarified this is not officially a list of all traded player exceptions. They got a disabled player exception because they believe Lonzo Ball is going to be out for the entire season. That's essentially half of his salary this year, uh, $10.2 million. The Bulls are pressed very close to the tax now that they brought Ayo Desumu back. They can't acquire a player like Fournier. It's too much money anyway, but it's not used like a traded player exception, so to speak. And the rules are very clear about it. So that's not realistic. Another uh, Wizards traded player exception. The Heat have a traded player exception. Again, like the Nets, don't see a trade materializing no matter what. I just, I don't believe it. The Blazers have one. The Grizzlies have another. He'd have another one. Obviously, the Knicks can't trade with themselves. Another Nets one. A Celtics one with Grant Williams is 6.2 million. And another Wizards one. So I'm going to rule out pretty much all of them except for the three Wizards trades and the Blazers and the Grizzlies trades. Okay. Uh, trade player exceptions. And even then, I'd like to rule out the Blazers and Grizzlies ones. Can we talk it through? Sure. The Blazers are so in flux with their team that I don't feel like they're at the position where they can really take on anything. Like it feels like they're paralyzed. Yeah, it's fair. Until and then they the Grizzlies, out what's going on. Yeah. Right. And the Grizzlies, they do have a decent amount of luxury tax space where they could do something. So it's certainly possible that they could jump into this. Um, again, it's just you have three teams. This is now more complicated. You got to get other salaries involved. Do they want to take on money? They've already got a pretty full roster. Uh, I'd say they need to consolidate like a lot of other teams do. So they've taken on money in the past, but they do it for picks. Exactly. Someone's paying a pick here. Right. And I just, I don't think that 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 would work quite as easily as say a team like the wizards. So, uh, you know, this is just a recap. We talked about the whole trade with the Pacers that didn't come to fruition because that's why finding a third team can be tricky. And here's the whole thing about what the blurb that Scotto had and the failed three-team deal. We're all caught up on that. But I just want to take a look at the Knicks, Pacers, and Wizards as an example where if you are the Wizards, right? This type of move, you could take on uh, Daniel Tice's salary, which is, it says two years reigning, but the second year's a team option, just like with Fournier. Um, and then you get Jordan Nuora. If you're the Pacers, you move those moves out. You get Evan Fournier. If you're the Knicks, you slide Danilo Gallinari into the top and trade player exception, and you create the same trade player exception you tried to do with the Knicks, Pacers, and the Suns. Uh, one snafu here: the Wizards, who already had X, you know, 16 guaranteed salaries, would now have 17 with this type of move. Um, 
they're adding $5.3 million to their payroll. The Pacers are adding $6.7 million. I could see the Pacers saying, hey, we're taking on more money. What do we get? And the Wizards saying, hey, we're taking on more money and we now have to cut two players. What do we get? Yeah. So I think there needs to be a little bit more tinkering. And then you get to something like the same deal I just mentioned, but a player like Anthony Gill sliding over from the Wizards. And here's how it basically happened. It'd be Fournier going to the Pacers. It'd be Tice and Nuora going into the Wizards traded player exceptions that they have. It'd be Gallinari going into the Knicks uh, Obi Toppin traded player exception. And then Gill, instead of going into the Evan Fournier traded player exception, right? Because as yeah. thought before, um, he's a minimum salary. And the way that it works with minimum salary is there's the minimum, uh, the veteran minimum exception, right? It's the same way when the Cam Reddish trade with Kevin Knox, they didn't do it as Cam Reddish and Solomon Hill for Kevin Knox and a pick. Well, I guess a second round pick with the Hawks thing and the Knicks sending over the Hornets pick. It was broken into two where Hill was acquired for nothing because he was a minimum salary. That's how Gil would function. So the thought process here would be if we have to do a three-team deal, the Wizards take on a little bit uh, less money than the move before. They have the same amount of guaranteed contracts, 16. So they still do need to probably cut a player or figure out a way to move them elsewhere. The Pacers are exactly how they would be in terms of salary, whether it was with the Cameron Payne move or this type of deal. And the Knicks, again, like I don't expect much from Gallinari. I don't... I don't see him as like, wow, he's a four getting significant time. It would be just kind of like, hey, breaking case of emergency. It's right. It's the salary that goes there. So this is the type of move that would satisfy all parties similar to that of what the Suns deal could have been because it's two of the same teams. The difference here being I moved Thice, uh, Thice out instead of McConnell because um, I figured it would actually save the Pacers a little bit more money involved but you have to imagine cash considerations nick sends you know at least a second round pick that sort of thing but um curious your thoughts yeah it's interesting i mean noir is uh, i think noir is still a mildly interesting player Had some moments for indy or for um yeah for indy last year um and yet the wizards have a lot of mildly interesting young players so do they want another mildly interesting young player except one that hasn't even been in their system they also have some you know and they just drafted a rookie who they're going to want to play. Um, so it's like, I, but then again, where is the war? You know, where is the war going to play? Um, I would imagine the Pacers would want some sort of draft compensation to, mm-hmm. to, to do this deal. Um, I mean, the Knicks could listen, the Knicks could sell it, right? They could sell sure. it as like, we're getting, we have our, if we need a backup for, you know, again, if breaking case of emergency, um, he's a guy they know. A cool, cool little story, right? Not quite Mello coming home, which has been rumored for years, but it's uh, the guy who was traded for Mello, so maybe that's worth something. Um, I, it's interesting. Hey, look, I mean, it, I'll be honest; it's not my preferred move here. It's more just if you can't go the two-team route and you had to have a third team. I think the Knicks and the Pacers do match up well in terms of the finances and the yeah. excess salary and all that. So it's really just finding the third team to help carry the load so to speak, uh, phrasing financially. And that's where the Wizards come into play. But moving on to the Spurs, I just want to go back to them. Their cap sheet, like they are, it's hard not to look at this team and look at how the salaries 
and the expiring ones. And I've got this here where it's it's McDermott, it's Bullock, it's Zach Collins, it's Kem Birch, Chetty Osman, Cameron Payne, all unrestricted free agents in the 2024 season. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind, if you look at all these players, it's 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. There are 17 players on the Spurs in guaranteed salaries. So the advantage of that two-for-one type move with McDermott as being more of the foundation and then adding one of the salaries involved uh, that I mentioned, not Bullock, but one of the ones that would fit in the trade player exception, is it does help the Spurs have one fewer player to cut when they need to trim the roster from 17 to 15. Going from 16 to 15 is certainly easier. Um, so that's certainly a prevailing thought. But I, while we're on this subject, and I know we've talked about McDermott, I just I need to focus on how bad his defense is. Well, there's, a re- the reason, there's a reason a guy who's that good of a shooter doesn't play. Exactly. And the for reason a better, I'm, for a better team, I should say. Yes. The reason I'm honing in on this is because I just know, let's say the Knicks made this type of move. There are a lot of fans who are going to look at the spacing, and it's very good spacing. Don't get me wrong. Shoots he's, corner threes and he's threes a damn in general. Good shooter. Right. It's okay. 2017, he was in the first percentile on defense. This is all defensive EPM. Uh, 2018, the year that he was on the Knicks, 29th percentile. We know how bad that was. Next year, 15th percentile, 11th percentile, 5th percentile. And then the last two years, he was in the second percentile both times. Granted, Spurs were a bad team last year. Uh, they, were not, uh, they were bad the year before that, although less bad. Even still, like Keita Bates-Diop was in the 80th percentile on defense. So you can shine in that system. That's just not Doug McDermott's game. And there's a point in which... The spacing, like with Fournier, there's a reason that the Knicks are looking to move on from him because yeah. he doesn't do the defensive part that they need him to. McDermott is very similar to that, just can play up as opposed to where Fournier is. Yeah. And then Chetty Osman. I want to compare Chetty and Obi. So they're not that different in terms of how their EPMs often stack up. Uh, like, I mean, Obi had a better year in 2022 by a lot compared to Osman. Obi had a better year his rookie year compared to Osman. The point being here is um, Osman does not really like, again, he's, he's more theoretical. Like there's yeah. a reason the Knicks got rid of Obi because they didn't feel what he brought to the table was adequate. Chetty Osman's overlap is very similar to that. And a big reason is the catch and shoot threes. We've talked about how of the, uh, of the players who took a hundred catch and shoot threes last year, 248 of them, uh, five of the top 82 are Knicks. Now, Last year, Osman of those 248 was 129th. The year before that, of the 239 who took 100 total catch and shoot threes, 164th uh, in three point percentage. The year before that, 227, he was 214th. The year before that, it was better. Out of the 209, he was 93rd. But this paints a very complete picture of yes, he shoots a lot of threes. Uh, there's a high frequency there, which is great. But the catch and shoot is just, it's bad. It, he's not the theoretical type that you want to be there. He's not the realistic type you want to be there. If he was, the the, the Cavs wouldn't have been wouldn't have spent the last however many years looking under every rock literally everywhere mm-hmm. to try to find a suitable two-way wing. Um, you know, he's just, he gives you, he, he doesn't give you enough at either end, um, which is why, you know, he is where yeah. he is in his career. So, and I can't believe I didn't think about this until I did this 
in the podcast. I have conclusion thoughts all the time, but I did not think to do conclusion. But here we are. In conclusion, I think the best thing if you're the Knicks is to hope for a suitable deal with San Antonio, assuming you can't get a star using Fournier's salary, assuming you can't move him for a starting level or let alone rotation quality player. If it doesn't work, then you have to look for a three-team deal. And I don't think you're going to find a rotation player when you move uh, Fournier. I think it's going to be much more of chairs on the Titanic, you know, deck chairs and, and shuffling them. But of course, the more teams you involve, the more complicated it gets. So in a perfect world, I, I think I'd much rather have Fournier for McDermott and say like Birch, where I, I, I don't see Birch seeing any significant minutes. I don't even know if he's a breaking case of uh, emergency guy. It's more just if you're trying to move someone out and you want to move something in that comp- is comparable to what you want, that could work. Two thoughts. One, if I had to make a prediction right now, I think Fournier is in San Antonio by the time the season starts. I wonder if these two sides at this point are not just... If it's maybe, who knows? Maybe the Knicks would be like, you're sitting here and like, we want Billock. And the Spurs are like, we'll give you McDermott. Like, who knows? Great. Anything's possible. Sure. That's one thought I have. Second thought, and this is the main thought, and this is what I was going to say before, but I figured I'd save it to the end. Everything that you've detailed today are ways to solve the Fournier problem. Which is that he's a player that is here who doesn't want to be here, and the Knicks don't. I don't think they want him here, and it's figuring out a way. How can we get him outside of here? Well, well, you know, maintaining a situation that is in our best interests. Um, I would not characterize as anything like everything that you've gone through. Like if Fournier was hunky dory sitting here on the bench and just chilling for the next year and being like, Hey, if you need me, I'm ready. You know, put me in coach. I'm happy to do whatever you want. I don't think we'd have to go through any of the stuff that you just went through, but that is not the situation, which Evan Fournier made it very clear, which leads me to the larger point, which is that it is very clear to me. And I don't know if it's clear to you that if that, if at the very least Evan Fournier thought, when he made his comments months ago or a month and a half or whatever it was, whenever the season ended, his immediate comments after the season, he's like, of course, I'm going to be traded. His thinking was what many of us thought, which is that the Knicks are going to utilize his contract as a strength, as salary to aggregate in a trade for a, a player that that makes a, a lot of money. And that was the way to use use him from a not from a position of strength, but like use him to their interests. We've now moved into the portion of the program where that is that does not seem to be on the table anymore. And I just wonder if the Knicks are faced with several options, which are I don't want to say varying degrees of unpalatable, but like again, as we've been talking about, like none of this stuff is great, right? If that if it's if 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 all of that is in the is in the bowl of option one and there's option two bowl, which is just like, hey. Dude, go back to France, chill, smoke a cigarette for a few months. And like when we're able to use your salary in a trade that we want to use it for, that is in our interest, we'll call you. Like, I, w- I just wonder if there's an, a part of them that's like, can we just, can we still do option B? I, that's what I'm thinking. That's all. Yeah. 
he has more to offer, which is the frustrating part, which is why I feel like if you're looking at McDermott and Birch or, or really a lot of the other players we've mentioned and from the Knicks perspective of you're saying, look, we're sending a player who should be the rotation player. We yeah. just cannot we can't roster this person because we have other needs. Yeah. It's just that's that's the main issue. Whereas there's not a compelling argument that McDermott belongs in a rotation. And there's not one that Birch belongs in rotation, but there is a compelling argument that Fournier with his pull-up ability, with his catch and shoot opportunities, that's someone who is a, he's still a better version and a younger version than McDermott, obviously different size, different position for the most part, but lo and behold, I'm with you. Yep. I hear you. We'll see what happens. I'll stick by my prediction. I I don't think he's on the team come camp, Uh, but we'll see. Uh, crazy things have happened. All right. Uh, I think we covered everything. Is there anything else we didn't? Or are we are, are we good here? We're good. Okay. Okay. Um, and is Andrew back? I wonder if Andrew's yes, back. Yes, he is. Andrew's back. Okay, great. Uh, all right. So we're going to get out of here. Um, moving forward, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say anything about this. But moving forward, we're going to have we're going to have more pods for you coming in the immediate future uh, of the evergreen variety. We're going to have we have some fun stuff that we're going to get into. Um, starting with an episode that um, the three of us, Andrew, Jeremy, and I are going to record right now that is going to be coming your way, um, I think, in a week or whereabouts. Here's GMAC. Uh, your, your screen was black. I just want you to know that your screen was black for a is moment it, there. It's not it black now? anymore. You're good. But yeah. it, was, it was black for a second. Thank- for like two seconds. Look at you. I'm proud of you. I did there? You actually saw something wrong and you mentioned I saw something thing. and I said something. Yes. Well done. You'd be good in a subway. Um or an airport for that matter. Um yeah, you don't have to give too much detail. Just we are still gonna be producing content for all of you. It's gonna feature multiple members of the KFS faculty and staff over the next couple of weeks. Um, as I mentioned on a previous pod, should the Knicks do something? Um, honestly, like an Evan Fournier trade, we probably will pounce yeah. into we will. Uh, emergency po- emergency episode mode. But for the meantime, over the next month or two, uh, content will be coming, but uh, it will be of the evergreen variety, as John mentioned. So stay tuned and hope you enjoy it. Giddy up. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Jeremy, thank you, as always. Um, everybody, hope you have a great week and talk to you soon. Peace out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.